Comments made on the Ceratoc Podcast Network are those of the individuals and do not represent Ceratech Corporation, its staff, management, board of directors, or third-party resellers. Hey, how's it going? Welcome, boys and girls, to episode 25 of That Android Show. I'm JJ Metal from the AT Guys Studios here in Kalamazoo. I'm Access Anna from the Accessible Android blog. And I'm Steve, talking droid and uh, comproom.co.uk. We have a lot to cover in this uh, edition of that Android show. Uh, we're going to learn about an app called PDF to Speech Pro. It's actually been out for a little while, but we never really talked about it. So Anna has an interview coming up. Of course, your mailbag, a discussion of some widely traded and round uh, but controversial articles uh, on Android and accessibility and programming and things like that. And a lot more are all coming up in the pre-CSUN edition of that Android show. But first, let's look at the latest Android news. Well, this time in the uh, Android news department, a lot of mainstream news, a little quiet on the accessibility front. We'll talk about that, I think, a little bit later. Uh, one of the biggest stories over the month that you may have heard about earlier... $3.2 billion for Google to purchase Nest. Nest, who makes the learning thermostats and also a line of these uh, high-tech smoke detectors now as well. Um, so 3.2, not even the biggest purchase of the month. If you look at uh, Facebook and WhatsApp, that was much more than $3.2 billion, but still a big chunk of money for an app that's only been around for a couple years and a device that's pretty new. That's a pretty good chunk of change. We talked about this a little last time. JJ, do you happen to have a Nest product? I happen to because my landlord kindly just bought us one. Yeah. Uh, so some people were actually wondering about the Nest and accessibility. Um, here's what I know so far. And maybe this is where Google can help. The setup is completely on device. So there's no accessibility there. It's a The Nest itself is just a dial. And you turn the dial to select the options and do these different things. And it's displaying it on a little screen. So, of course, none of that is accessible. If you go and do a thing like Chromecast does, when we had the Chromecast last summer, that accessibility was there because the setup was on the device or on your computer. So it may take to the next version of the Nest to do it that way. But if Google likes that method of setup better, maybe they'll do that for the Nest as well. And that wouldn't be, that's one of the biggest uh, hurdles currently. Uh, the actual Android app is not bad. There's some unlabeled buttons, but the... General accessibility is there. It's there. I can see the current temperature uh, with a little plus and minus buttons, which incidentally don't read, uh, not because they're not labeled, but because the plus and minus are probably set in punctuation settings. But you can see the current temperature. It'll show you if you're home or away. It tells you what it's doing. It, interesting, say it's 65 degrees now and you want to heat it to 70. The learning comes in that now when I click up to 70, since I've had this for a couple of weeks, it'll say 70 degrees in 55 minutes. So it kind of estimates how long uh, oh, wow. until it get to that temperature. That's kind of cool. Uh, cool. You can do some programming and scheduling, and there certainly are some improvements I think that could be made with all of that. The Android app is a little better than the web app. The web app works okay with NVDA, not so much with any other screen reader I've tried, but still could use some improvements. So functionally, it's definitely usable. It could, you know, it's again usable versus accessible. Would I call it accessible? No. Would I call it usable? Uh, yeah, in many instances. At least I now can see uh, the current temperature at my house and I can you know, see what's going on 
and that's really cool. That's something I wasn't able to uh, to do other you know than the uh, the talking thermostats that were out there uh, before. So I don't you know will the Google sale help this? Hmm, I don't know. You, have to, you know, past history doesn't always indicate future success for Google. And it's at least promising, so that's good. And I see, yeah, so you'd auto sense that I've have been out of the house for a couple hours. And I just went online, and the temperature is now 59 degrees in my house, and it shows me that we're away. I'm actually just looking at the web interface, but I was able to bring that up in a couple seconds, and that part's really cool. $3.2 billion. Is it, are they buying this for more than just a thermostat, though? I mean, is there other learning tech? I know, of course, Ray Kurzweil was talking a lot about improving AI. This kind of goes along with some of that as well. Some of the articles we posted last time mentioned the Internet of Things and how maybe part of the goal is to have more of the house connected. I don't know. Who knows? It's a lot of money for a thermostat, though, isn't it? <laughs> it is. It is. And, and there's other thermostats, and they could have made their own thermostat. Yeah. There's yeah. got to be some underlying tech there that they really like. I mean, it is the smartest of the thermostats. There's other remote control ones, but it doesn't do some of the cool you know, learning things that the Nest purportedly does. Well, and, Google, Google are weird, aren't they? I mean, they bought Motorola, they did nothing with it, and then sold it again. <laughs> well, that's true. Kind they of. They bought Motorola, that, yeah. but they kept the patents. That's all they wanted. Yeah. They didn't care about it. They really didn't care. You know, like, oh, they're buying Motorola to, to help and uh, have a, an Android brand. No, they didn't really care about that too much. They wanted the patents. Yeah. They got the yeah. patents. Now Lenovo gets Motorola, and they were interviewed. We have a story up about that. And it's interesting, about, yeah. a lot of the questions that were asked about were how does buying Motorola fit into Le- Lenovo's master plan? And Lenovo thinks that it's going to be able to cut costs and use its existing Probably. supply chain yeah. and also sell to China and other emerging markets. So that's how they plan to make it viable, and, and they feel like it's a good a good purchase. Um, I don't think, you know what, in Motorola, you talk when you look at cell phone brands, and a lot of them are fledgling right now. Samsung, Apple, and maybe LG. You know, are they really the ones that you know have much going for them? All you know, HTC is faltering. Nokia is faltering. We'll get to that in a second. Blackberry is well, Blackberry. You know, what else is left? Motorola. You know, th- their reputation is a little tarnished, but I think if, if they've turned it around fast enough, well, you know, it's not a dead brand. And Motorola's been around a long time. I, it's it's sort of oh, a yeah. standard in the cell phone industry. So um, I, I'm really surprised that it's having so much trouble surviving as a smartphone. I, I don't I don't know why. Well, I must say I've got I've got the Moto G and the the battery life, the uh, battery life on the Moto G is insane. Um, I can charge my Nexus five two or three times before the Moto G goes down. That's amazing. Too bad they didn't put that in the Droid Four. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. A lot of uh, things going on though with new, so uh, new phones this week. Mobile World Congress is going on as we are recording this. Uh, Samsung has a new phone, the Galaxy S five. That's probably going to be one of the more talked about ones. But it really, it's not as big of a departure as anyone expected. Um, it is still an Android phone. They haven't ditched Android, and they've just added. You know, the back is more. Uh, solid, you know, it, it, it's not plasticky anymore. Uh, they added the fingerprint sensor. Hmm. 
here we go again with fingerprint sensors, uh-huh. um, which apparently doesn't work too well in the early uh, reviews. Um, and but otherwise, you know, it's still just a, it's another KitKat phone. They just refresh the line, so you know. Well, speaking of new phones, Nokia is coming out with a line of Android-based phones. Um, mm. It's called the Nokia X. They have the X, the X Plus, and the XL. And these are mid-range phones, which are somewhere between the Lumia and the, is it pronounced Asha? Asha. Asha. And so these phones are going to be running a version of Android without uh, all the Google stuff. And this is the Android open source project uh, yeah, it's a version. It's up if I... Totally forked yeah. because it's going to have... Um, Microsoft services instead of Google services. So, like, um, the search the, won't be Google, it'll be Bing and things like that. And it's going to have a Nokia store. So, there's no way of knowing whether this will be running TalkBack. There, there's no there's no way of knowing what oh, exactly Nokia this has is. an undying commitment to accessibility. Okay, yeah, uh, amen. Hmm. Once, when they feel like it. Yeah. Well, and when they subcontracted out to well, somebody, what well, what 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 they'll do is they'll release a Nokia screen reader for this phone in three years. Exactly, and it'll be you know some basic scale down thing. Yep, I don't. Yeah, I, I, Nokia. Nokia has an identity crisis. I don't know what they're trying to accomplish here, because it's it not being an Android phone, so you're not going to get the Android fanboys. It's not a Windows phone, so you're not going to get the three Windows fanboys. It doesn't know what it is. <laughs> and the developers aren't going to like, you know, as a developer, you know, I've, you know, we, we've done the blind bargains app, of course, uh, you know, there's iBlink for Android, you know, you're not going to want to spend your time submitting an app to 10 different app stores. Exactly. You, you know, Am- you know, doing a uh, Google and Apple, and if you want to do Amazon and maybe one or two others, that's bad enough. But in the Samsung store, the Nokia store, and the, you know, where, where does this stop? Well, and even as end users, the apps aren't all identical. And so even as end users, you know, if I decide I like a feature on this device, I want my the one on my computer to work the same way, but maybe it works a little differently. And so that gets annoying too. And you have to have an account for each separate app and blah, blah, blah. But then a- if you buy a, say you buy a device or an app off this Nokia app store, is that going to only work on that device? Can you put it on some sort of other Android phone later on? Well, yeah, exactly, exactly. So what do I do with that, and how portable is it? Yeah, I mean, all of the problems that the the original concept, the App Store, was supposed to solve, it's, just, it's getting all fragmented and, and blown up. All we can do is watch this space with interest. I mean, it's all speculation at the moment, isn't it? Well, it is, except that Google is trying to discourage fragmentation by coming up with new licensing terms. And I actually yeah. think these are good terms for accessibility. So what these licensing terms say is that cell phone manufacturers need to do certain things in order to have access to Google apps and services like the calendar and the Play Store. One thing is that manufacturers need to have all of the apps or none of the apps. So. I know that when Samsung started uh, skinning its phone with TouchWiz, it included the Samsung calendar, which was not as accessible as the Google calendar. And so people could get the Google calendar from the Play Store. um, But what the terms of this agreement say is that 
Samsung, whether they include the Samsung calendar or not, they need to include the Google calendar as well. They can't just pick and choose the apps they're going to decide on. So for accessibility, I think that's a good thing because Google apps are pretty accessible. And then, you know, we don't have to worry about whether Samsung's calendar works as well, blah, blah, blah. Another part of this licensing agreement is that there aren't any forks. So part of the reason why the Nokia X isn't going to be carrying the Play Store is that it is a totally forked up version of Android. And... Um, Another part of this agreement, which is very exciting to people living in emerging markets, is that new handsets need to have current versions of Android. So, like on the Spanish Android list, people are still buying gingerbread phones and ice cream sandwich phones because those are out and they're affordable. Um, so, since accessibility does improve with each version, having a newer version of the operating system is a good thing. And being able to buy an affordable phone with a new or very relatively new version of Android is a beautiful thing. And it finally makes accessibility a little more real for our listeners in emerging markets. So I think this, this is a beautiful thing. Can you translate that into some other languages for our listeners in emerging markets? <laughs> you want me to <laughs> no no that's okay we can we we move on <laughs> so what do the two of you think about the new terms of, of licensing terms well um i don't know really because they're going to be manufacturers that are going to go the direction that nokia has gone and that's to say they'll fork android and uh you know damn the rest of them you said fork uh, I said fork. British accent. Yes. I said fork. <laughs> right. Uh, and yeah, and and I think it won't make a lot of difference at the end of the day because you know they could move over to Tizen like Samsung are talking about and anything like that. Yeah, there's a lot of. I mean, I think we're gonna be we we may end up back to where we were five ten years ago where you know okay Firefox OS is coming out. Oh, that's actually not bad because there is a screen reader built in, but that's. A, a low um it's 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 targeted for low end markets at this point ubuntu has an os that's just about coming out that's you know so again we don't know if we're gonna we're fighting two accessibility battles now with android and apple and not even winning with microsoft and blackberry and we're gonna go from that to having another half dozen it seems <laughs> well, like but we're, i we're, think we're, that this is where the google brand name can help um, if I'm a developer and I've got limited time and limited resources, I'm going to develop for the places that will get my app out into people's hands. So probably Apple and Google will be the first two. Apple for sure. But yeah, if, if but Samsung, for instance, Nokia doesn't matter because the 1% of people that are using the Nokia, whatever new phone they have, that, that doesn't hurt us. Samsung switching away from Android, will, that'll be a lot of people. And Yeah, yeah. I mean, Samsung is one of the highest phones companies uh, for selling phones. Yeah. Um, so if they start doing things like going Tizen, then it could hurt us, especially if Tizen's not accessible. Yeah, exactly. It, the The whole release date thing and not allowing uh, older devices to be approved, that's cool, but it's only going to go so far. I mean, that's still 
that still means I can come up with a, a KitKat phone this fall when 4.5 already is going to be out and then not give any further updates. There's nothing in there that says you have to keep, you have to update your phone. I would have liked to see that you must promise so many months of updates and that type right, of thing. Right. That's that, been that talked about been before. Better. Yeah. That's, you know, the idea has been floated around, but you know, or you need to have, if you, you know, when the new OS version comes out, you need to have an update to your customers within 90 days or something like that. That would have showed a lot more commitment to me than what we have. Yeah. This is something. But I guess this you figure, is something. It's really. They got to walk a line, right? Because if they mm-hmm. go too far, then they're just going to alienate everybody and they right. realize this. Right, right. You know, when you when you give away all your toys and then you try to take some of them back, it's a lot more difficult than if you <laughs> yeah. would have just started off, you know, yeah. like this is how it's going to be. And people might have listened to you. Uh, yeah. there, there is some accessibility um, things going on and a couple of new, uh, newer apps that uh, you guys have been playing with. What is CamFind? Have you tried CamFind, Steve? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, Tell us a little bit about it. Well, it's TapTapC really for Android at the moment because there's nothing like TapTapC for Android and CamFind is made by the same people who make TapTapC and uh, it's good. It works well. Um, it, you know, it's identified a few things for us. What kinds of things have you identified with it? Books. You know, you can scan the front of a book and it sees the ISBN and, and various oh, things like that. So cool. yeah, it's, yeah. It, it works pretty well. And you're doing, some, you're, you're doing bottles with it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I should tell you about the bottles with it. Yeah, um, we we had a, a bottle on our kitchen surface, which is a wood wood surface, and it said something like brown mahogany flooring, <laughs> or something like that. So I didn't get the bottle at all. Now maybe it was me not holding the camera in the right position for the bottle, but however I tried to take it. Um, I couldn't get it to get the darn bottle, um, <laughs> but that was that was only one of you, you know the, the the failures I had. But most of it was pretty successful. Yeah. So so yes, it's made by the same people as TapTapC, and I believe it's crowdsourced um, in a similar way. The difference is that at the moment you don't have to pay for CamFind and you don't have to pay for the pictures, but with iOS you do have to pay now for TapTapC, of course, and that upset a lot of blind people, didn't it, when they went to the uh, subscription Ooh, they model. They don't like paying for anything. Yeah. <laughs> they, don't, they don't like paying for anything. Yeah, I know. Um, it upset a lot of blind people, but, you know, it's not an app, is it? It's a service at the end of the day. Um, yeah, yeah. So um, I, th- I think you, you should pay for it if it's being human crowdsourced because you're going to get better results. Yeah, I have no problem paying for TapTapC if it came to Android. I would pay the, the $7.99 for 100 pictures or whatever. That's that's $0.08 cents that's a That's a very picture. reasonable that's price, fair. actually. Very as long fair. as I'm getting decent results from it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. That's Absolutely. Fair. Absolutely fair. Yeah, but I think I think CamFind is, you know, I get better results with CamFind than I do with Goggles, for example. Oh. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's, it's pretty good. Uh, it'd be nice when they label it's, the buttons, and they, they tell me they're going to label the buttons. Yeah, they say they're going to label buttons. People have asked them on the list, and they've posted to the list saying they're going to get to that. So hopefully that'll happen soon. That always baffles me. It ain't hard to label buttons. Yeah, yeah. We're going to get to that? That's like a line of code. Yeah. It's like adding an alt tag on a web page. But the We're thing is, get JJ, to that is, is, it, is it harder to label a button programmatically in Android than something like iOS? Because uh, you, you see far less unlabeled buttons in iOS. You do see them. But you see far less buttons labeled, uh, unlabeled in iOS. And I just wonder if the iOS programming tools uh, warn you more, you know, when you leave the content description empty. Okay, so my Android programming experience is quite limited and obsolete. 
but I'm pretty sure it still applies this way. Um, as far as to actually label the image, it's one line of code that pretty much assign this object a label. And I don't believe that's changed. So, you know, what, I don't know why people aren't doing I mean, yeah, it's, it's just kind of like you don't think of it. It's just, I, don't, I don't get, unless there's something I'm missing, I don't get why that would be hard to go back and do. You know, you don't have that many buttons in an app. Yeah, I don't know why programmers seem to think that's a big deal. I don't know. No, but I think I, I, the, the, the point I was trying to make is that um, I think the Apple programming tools actually warn you if you don't label a button, whereas I don't think the Android tools do, or I might be wrong. Well, I think what happens is that in Android, you get that need to do accessibility tag. But I, I know one time I was reading a mainstream <laughs> forum and somebody asked, what is this thing with the accessibility that says need to do accessibility? And somebody else replied, oh, that's some thing for handicapped people. I just turn it off. So I have the feeling a lot of people just turn it off. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So I think well, it's lack of education. It is lack of awareness and all that. That's, yeah. that's always your, that's always, I mean, that's a, not a new challenge yeah. with Android. That's everywhere. It's just, yeah. know, it goes back to the first websites in the nineties. It's always a challenge. Yeah. A couple, just quickly, uh, before we end the news, a couple uh, more. Oh, wait, that, more apps. Let, let me. Yeah, so there's a couple, a couple more apps. That's exactly what I see. You, you know Sorry. what I'm talking about here. <laughs> uh, Project Tango. Oh, yeah, this sounds really cool. It's a phone with a set of specialized cameras, sensors, and software. And what they do is they take measurements of the surroundings in order to take a 3D image of the place you're in. So according to the article, which is in the show notes, in a second, this device takes a quarter of a million readings. So if I walk into a room, it'll take note of the furniture that's in the room and create this 3D map of it. And in theory, a blind person should be able to walk around the room without tripping over the coffee table that's in the middle. And um, other more mainstream uses would be for games, for creating virtual worlds in the games. But this would be a really cool mobility aid, um, you know, when you're indoors and, and even outdoors to deal with overhangs and posts and things like that. Oh, yeah. You know, it's really like Google Glass again, isn't it? Yeah. In a way. Yeah. I've stopped getting excited about it now because it seems to be taking so long to come. <laughs> well, and it, it sounds like for a while they really weren't pushing the disability benefits, but now it sounds like they're starting to um, go in that direction. Somebody on the Ice Free list mentioned um, an, another project called um, Project Memento, and I think it's a similar app. Um, maybe I'll look it up and we'll talk about it next time. Other apps that might be of interest to our listeners are one by the Ideal Group. It's called GuideDroid, and it sounds basically like walkie-talkie. So what it does is it it's an interface to Google Maps or Google Navigation, which a lot of people seem to have problems with. I'm not sure why, but they do. And so this defaults to walking directions, and it's got some edit fields so you can easily type your information. And um, so that's basically what it is. It doesn't seem to offer anything new in terms of maybe businesses or anything like that. So, but, but it is an interface. And so if you have trouble with using Google Maps or Google Navigation, um, you can maybe try walkie-talkie or try GuideDroid. 
Um, there's also a game called Crazy Bat. Yes, and Cra- Crazy Bat. Yeah, you 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 actually have to suspend talkback. Um, but what you're doing is you. I think the idea is that you knock bats. Um, keep trying, keep bats flying straight or something like that. And they're going up and down, and okay. they mustn't land, or you lose, or something like that. I'm I'm not absolutely sure because I haven't played it. Um, I just heard about it on the Eyes Free list. Yeah. If you've played it, send us an eye report and uh, let us know. Now, remember with the whole suspend talkback thing, you're gonna want to have Android four two or better, um, or have someone to help you get talkback back on, because the the gesture to turn talkback back on is only available in 4.2 and also make sure you have the accessibility shortcut checkbox checked under accessibility settings. Right. Finally, will you marry me if I have a Google Glass? That's a there is nothing more romantic than <laughs> yes. that moment. You know, he drops down on one knee, he holds up a flower and a ring and she's wearing her best dress ever and and you know, they they lean in for that big smoochy kiss, and it's just mm-hmm. the best moment ever. But mm-hmm. with Google Glass, it's just a lot of intense staring. <laughs> oh God! Right, and then you have the kiss from a perspective that you just totally do not. Who wants to watch that? <laughs> exactly. It's a Ooh. you know, glasses coming closer, noses tipping. You know what? <laughs> what is? It's gonna break the glass. <laughs> <laughs> we've got we've got an article about glass etiquette and things like that. I don't know. Google has this goofy promotional video <laughs> about about this whole idea. This thing is goofy. Come on now, <laughs> use your glass responsibly. <laughs> exactly. Don't be a glass hole. That's right. Exactly. <laughs> And last but not least, the dates for Google I.O. have been announced. Ooh, you going? They, I don't know. It will be in June on the 25th and 26th, so I, I'll be off school. It's more likely that I'll be able it's to go. Two days. Two days. Back at Moscone West, mm-hmm. which is a really cool venue. Oh, and totally. They had totally. the awesome bulk food lineup. <laughs> Still my favorite and This part. time, I, if I go, I'll take a bag. If you're, if, you're, <laughs> if you're going uh, for the free stuff, remember last year, the, all they gave out was a Chromebook Pixel. Oh, if that's all. I mean, that's it was a $1,200 computer, which is cool, except it's a Chromebook Pixel. <laughs> <laughs> and how much discussion have you heard on the Chromebook Pixel since last June or May? Yeah, I know. Mm, I know. None. That's kind of a downer. Right. You know, so who knows what will happen this year? Maybe there'll be a new Nexus, something you'll get, but... You know, it's cool. The environment's cool. I mean, that was my first time ever being in like a major keynote for a major tech company and all that. That was cool to be there. The energy's just beautiful. The energy was, yeah, the energy was cool. And that was the whole Google Glass rooftop expedition thing. And that was fun. Yeah. Yeah. Would have been cool if they described it, but it was, it was still cool. (laughs) Exactly. But if you want to go, uh, do we have ticket prices yet? They've been, they keep bumping them up. Oh, they're, they're usually pretty high. At least around a grand. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, plus hotels, uh, they'll have negotiated hotel rates of $300 a night, though. So, you know, it's okay. You can stay for an affordable rate. <laughs> near, near <laughs> I think hotel. I can take a sleeping bag and sleep outside. <laughs> I won't be, be alone. <laughs> 
we got a lot more coming up on this edition of that Android show, including a discussion about uh, some of the recent uh, articles that have been passed around about Android accessibility and programming of Android. So uh, stay tuned. A cruise. It sounds so exotic. Expensive. Terrific. Terrifying. Incredible. Impossible. What's holding you back from taking a cruise? Whatever it is, travel agent Jerry Crawford has the solution. Join a group for a five or seven day cruise in January 2015 or schedule one for your own group or for yourself. Guided assistance available on the ship and in port. Or venture out on your own. Guide dogs are welcome. Installment payment plans available. Starting at just $359 for five days, of all the food, fun, and frivolity you can handle. For more information, call 281-633-2711 or send an email to 2cruisers at att.net. That's number 2, C-R-U-I-S-E-R-S at att.net. So what are you waiting for? Call or email Jerry today to book the experience of a lifetime. Today we're talking to Practical Apps, the developer behind PDF to Speech Pro. So tell us a little bit about yourself as a developer. Um, what uh, kinds of projects have you been working on? How long have you been developing for Android? Well, um, I have a, a background in computer science and I've been working on some research in the past. And on Android, I've, I started working with Android in 2009 when um, the platform was announced by uh, Google, and I was ex excited about the open source project. So I did a few projects. I did a nutritional diary and a gym diary, but they, those never uh, came out to the market. And I was just uh, poking around trying to do some uh, interesting new ideas with the phone, with, with, which at that time was uh, the G1. Wow, you really were at the beginning with the G1. Yeah, and well, th that was a, a slow phone, and it was a challenging thing to, to be using, but uh, it was the first thing that we had. Yes. And, and then lately, I've been working on, on Elance, doing uh, uh, contracting projects with Android. Okay. So today, we're going to talk about PDF to Speech Pro. Tell us a little bit about the app. What does it do? Well, um, the app mainly reads uh, Office documents. It reads uh, PDF, uh, Microsoft Docs. The DOC and PowerPoint, and it reads uh, uh, text files, and it, it does that in, it, using the text-to-speech engine. So you can keep your eyes occupied on something else, and your hands free, and it, it also plays in the background. So you can uh, check your mail or ch uh, browse the web while you're listening to the documents. What prompted you to develop this app? Well, um, as I said, I was. Uh, playing around with the phone and, and trying new ideas and I had a commute of about one hour from home to the university when I was doing the uh, graduate studies and and so it occurred to me I, I could be listening to some of the research papers on the way to the university so so I started to to work on the code and, and once I, I got it ready I, I figured it would be useful to listen not to the main research that I was doing, but it, it was helpful to listen to 
uh, peripheral documents that would be interesting to know about, but I didn't have the time to read them. So who was your target audience when you developed this app? Was it students like yourself? Well, um, my target audience is, uh, I was thinking mostly about uh, researchers and, and professionals. So th this would be people, like I mentioned, that would have a lot of stuff to read, but didn't have enough time so they could listen to some of the documents during their commutes or, or when they weren't actively working. But once I, I created the app, I noticed that it was obvious that it could be used for leisure uh, reading. You could listen to short stories and, and books, and it would be also useful to the visually impaired and other, and other uh, segments of the community. What did you think when you first uh, began to receive feedback from the visually impaired? What, what were you surprised? Did you think that was logical? I wasn't, I wasn't too surprised, but I, I wasn't prepared because what, some of the first feedback I got was about the application not working well with, the, with TalkBack. So I, I did get into that and I, I started testing the application to make sure that it would work with uh, TalkBack. The community that, that I was surprised that uh, showed interest is that I, I have some uh, users with uh, dyslexia and oh, yes. they say that it's, it does help them to read the documents along with the computer. So they would read it on the screen and they listen to what the computer is reading. So that was interesting. So what kind of feedback or feature requests did you get either from visually impaired people or from people with learning disabilities or reading disabilities? Yeah, the, the, main, the main thing they've been asking is uh, for uh, interaction with TalkBack. And I've, I've done that probably more than a year ago. So that, that's basically having the, if there are buttons with a picture on them, they should be reading what's, what the button does. And then also, also I think the Bluetooth, it was initially a Bluetooth support with the buttons on the Bluetooth that was initially suggested by a, a visually impaired user so that they could play and, and, and move around the document with a physical button on the Bluetooth. What changes have you made to your app? Um, have there been any fundamental changes that you've made to the app because of the accessibility requests aside from well, the Bluetooth? I, yeah, I think that the main change have been uh, since uh, Ice Cream Sandwich, we've been able to uh, switch the text-to-speech engines from within the app, and that helps the talkback because you can put TalkBack with a text-to-speech engine. Uh, let's say the default is Talk Android Voice, and then you can set up PDFs to speech with uh, one of the nice voices like uh, Xbox or Ivana. And that mm -hmm. way, if you do that, you can know when PDFs to speech is talking to you and when TalkBack is telling you about the navigation through the phone. Another thing that is, it does is it is aware if accessibility is on, so it'll add little details that would make it uh, easier to use if you're not if you're visually impaired so one example is on the file browser if you have it without accessibility it'll just show you the files and folders but if you have it with accessibility it'll actually say folder and then the name so that the talkback will read you what type of file it is right right now, since you began to develop this app, accessibility has changed quite a bit. How has the development process changed for you? Has it been 
harder or easier? Was the transition from one particular version harder than other transitions? Well, I think uh, the accessibility has gotten better with Android. Uh, with Gingerbread, even at, at one point, I was thinking about doing a, a separate interface for the visually impaired community for PDFs of speech because TalkBack wasn't that friendly. But in, in Jellybean, now it's, it's much easier to use. So it, mm -hmm. it is, it's easier to test. So overall, everything has gotten better in Android. And the only technical problem that remains is trying to bring the features to, to the older phones, like trying to, like there's, there's a new UI now with uh, Jellybean and, and it's, it's harder to, to move those features back to the gingerbread and the Projo uh, users. Uh -huh. Recently on the Eyes Free list, we had a discussion about the text viewer not being completely accessible by default. How does that affect your program? Do you work with the text viewer? Yeah, I, the, the text-to-speech, it's a separate accessibility layer, so it doesn't, a PDF to speech doesn't need to use the accessibility layer that much but it is aware of it. So there's like a flag uh -huh. that you can check and see if accessibility is on. And that's about all the interaction that PDFs to speech does with the accessibility layer. And then about the, some of the users being, uh, not being able to listen to the, to the sentence component, that's because it, that used to be a text view, which is, is something that would be read by TalkBack, but I, I changed it to a web view, which, which is a lot like a browser. And that, that change allows me to show multiple sentences and then highlight the sentence that is being uh, read currently. Uh -huh. So that is not read by, by TalkBack, but you can actually go to settings and enable it. You can enable TalkBack to read the content that is inside a web view or the content that is inside a browser. And, and that way you would be able to listen to, to that component. But I don't really recommend it because if you do that, then you're not sure. And, and if you don't have TalkBack on a separate speech, uh, text-to-speech engine, then you're not going to be sure if TalkBack is, is talking to you or if it is a PDF-to-speech reading the document. Uh -huh. So what other tips or recommendations do you have uh, for our users to make their experience easier? Yeah, I think that the, the most useful tool is the find-replace tool. And I... I would like in the future to add Google Analytics so that I know more about uh, how the users are using the application. But right now, I'm, I'm not sure. So for, for the users out there, I would recommend to use make better use of the Find Replace tool. And this is a tool that allows you to replace words that may be not pronounced correctly. You can replace them with uh, better phonetic equivalents. Uh, sometimes some documents have what on paper looks okay, but when you listen it, listen to it, it sounds like uh, trash around the, the document. So you can eliminate those pieces of text mm -hmm. using the find replace tool. For example, if you listen to a research paper, there's like the square brackets that have yes. the references in between them. You may mm -hmm. not be caring to listen to the reference when you're reading it. You're just jumping over that and then you come back later if you want to, to check the reference. So you can actually add a find replace rule that will take out all the square brackets and the numbers that are inside of them. Excellent. What um, plans do you have for PDF to speech or for practical apps in general? 
Well, uh, for PDF to speech, uh, the one of the next things to do is uh, improve the find replace tool, make it more powerful. And what that will do is it'll open the door for uh, the Moonshot project, which is to add more artificial intelligence to the application so that the app can clean up the documents for you because uh, some documents are hard to read, especially if they have um, programming languages or if they have mathematical formulas. So the find replace tool, it is a, a, a way to, to improve that. Another thing that I, I always work on is on finding a better PDF parser. There are a small set of PDFs that cannot be properly, the, the text cannot be properly extracted from them. And some of that is because of the PDF format itself. But when it is about the parser, uh, I'm always uh, on the lookout for better parser to, to give the better experience to the user. The other thing I, I'm interested in adding uh, ODT support, which is the open document format. Oh, yes. And that's, that format is really similar to the DOCX. So that's something that is on the, on the pipeline. And then mm -hmm. uh, outside of PDF to speech, I've been working with um, software studios from Connecticut and they develop these applications or sort of applications called ASL dictionary. And those applications uh, can be used by the user to learn uh, sign language. So it, it can be used by uh, uh, deaf people and it can be used by people that want to communicate with them. And I, I've been adding several improvements to those applications. And, and also I've been going over on the dark side, so to speak. I've, I've been working <laughs> with uh, iPhone a little bit. Mm -hmm. I've been providing the backend for an application called News Briefing App, which is made by Taste Taste Analytics. And mm -hmm. what that application does, it it'll it'll summarize the news using visualization tools, mm -hmm. and, and that is a prototype. And we're we're waiting for funding on that uh, on that idea. And if if we get funding, then I'll, I'll be leading the team to develop the Android client for that service. Oh, that's fantastic. So how can our listeners contact you to, um, if they have feedback or suggestions? Yeah, you can find uh, PDF to Speech Pro by Practical Android Apps on the Google Play Market. So you can just go there and search for PDF to Speech Pro. And you can contact me for bugs at support at practicalunderapps.com which is also a link on the Google Play Market. And, and you can also find it on the uh, Amazon Market for Kindles. Excellent. PDF to Speech Pro by Practical Apps is a document reader. With it, we can listen to various text file formats, including TXT, DOC, PPT, EPUB, and PDF. It works a little like a media player. Its advantage, however, is that we can move through the text by page or by sentence. We can also listen to our documents using a text-to-speech engine, which is different from the one we normally use. Let's check it out. PDF to Speech Pro. When the app launches, there are five buttons across the bottom of the screen. From left to right, they are Play Previous Page button Play Previous Page Play Previous Sentence button Play Previous Sentence Play button Play 
Play next sentence button. Play next sentence. Play next page button. Play next page. In the lower left-hand corner, below previous page, is a settings button. Settings. PDF to Speech Pro. Showing items 1 to 8 of 23. We have items 1 through 8 of 23. That's a lot of items to go through, so we're not going to do that in this short demo. I will point out a couple of items that will be of interest to us. One is... Feedback tells use what is working, what needs improvement, and what you would like to see next. The feedback button. Tapping here allows you to send the developer an email so you can make feature requests or thank him for the good job he's done on the app. Language. Select the language that matches the document's language. If you read multiple languages, this is a very handy option. So if you're an English speaker and you have your phone set to English, but you're taking a French class and you need to read a short story for that class, you can simply change the language to French so that the document will be read correctly. Speech speed and pitch sets the speech speed and pitch. Okay, so we have a speech speed and pitch. This is where you can set the voice rate. Speech engine. Select which speech engine to use. Speech engine. Here is where you set your TTS. I'm going to go ahead and change that right now. Alert speech engine. Showing items 1 to 5 of 5. Alright, it's going to list all of the speech engines that are on your device. So I'm going to go through them to choose one. Google text to speech engine. Checked. IVONA text to speech HQ. Not checked. SVOX Classic TTS, not checked. Acapella TTS, not checked. Speak, not checked. Alright, I'm going to choose Avona. IVONA Text to Speech HQ, not PDF to Speech Pro. Okay, so we're back to the settings screen. Red page number, mention page number at the beginning of each page, checkbox, checked. This can be handy if you're using PDF to Speech Pro for school or work, you can find out what page you're on or how many pages into the document you've listened. Mention header, if enabled, the header in each page is read, checkbox, not checked. Mention header, again this can be useful if you're reading material for work, it reminds you of the number of the chapter, the name of the article, etc. Mention footer. If enabled, the footer in each page is read. Checkbox. Not checked. Same for mention footer. Play over media. When checked, will play over music players and other media apps. Checkbox. Not checked. Now this is useful. Some people like to have music playing in the background while they're reading, especially if they're just reviewing. So this item makes sure that your document is louder than other sounds. Select audio stream. Select which stream to use for PDF to speech. Avoid music stream if you want to set a different volume for PDF to speech in the music app. Now this is a very useful item. Android has several audio streams. One, for example, is for media and another is for notifications. Talkback plays on the media stream. So if you want to adjust PDF to speech volume independently, you can change its media stream to do that. Copy playing sentence. Copies the sentence currently playing to the clipboard. Checkbox. Not checked. Copy sentence. 
If you're using PDF2Speech Pro for work or school, you can copy the sentence to the clipboard and use a clipboard manager app to paste that sentence into an email or a text reader. And while there are other interesting items here on the settings screen, we're going to go back to the main app. PDF2Speech Pro. Remember we have the five playing controls across the bottom. Settings is on the left below play previous page. And on the right below play next page, we have a more options button. More options button. Showing six items. Okay, and those six items are? Bookmark. Bookmark. View doc. View doc. Replace. Replace. Copy. Copy. Gesture help. Gesture help. Replace lets you substitute some of the words in the document with something else. For example, if you're listening to a recipe, you can substitute abbreviations like TSP and CP for teaspoon and cup. Gesture help describes gestures to you that you can use instead of the on-screen controls. Let's go back to the main screen again. PDF to Speech Pro. And in the lower half of the screen, right above the five play controls, we have page one, an item which tells you what page you're on, change sentence button, and an item which tells you what sentence you're on and allows you to change it. Most of the screen is taken up with a blank area, presumably where the text appears. Since I don't have a document loaded, if I touch the general center of the screen, I'm going to hear No file loaded. No file loaded. To open a file, I'm going to touch the Open tab. Now in this particular version of PDF to Speech Pro, the controls across the top of the screen, right below the notification area, are not accessible. They are in other versions, so I'm sure this is a temporary problem. We can find the Open tab by touching the top center of the screen, about halfway between the left and right edge. Another control that is in this area and that doesn't produce any spoken feedback is the bookmark feature. So I'm going to tap the top of the screen to where I remember the Open tab appearing. Directory Recent Files, showing items 1 to 5 of 5. Okay, so we have a list of folders or directories where I might find my file. There is also an edit field at the top of the screen for entering the location. But I'm just going to run my finger down the screen to find out what directories are available. Directory recent files. Recent files. Directory Google Drive. Google Drive. Directory box drive. Box drive. Directory local storage. Local storage. Directory local storage root. Local storage root. I'm going to go into local storage. That's basically what's on your SD card. Directory local storage. Showing items 1 to 7 of 55. 1 to 7 of 55. I have a lot of stuff on my SD card. I'm going to locate the download folder which is where I put a recipe for peanut brittle, and that's the document we're going to read. Directory pictures. Directory movies. 
Directory download. Very good. File microwave peanut brittle dot doc. Microwave peanut brittle, beautiful. Page one. Microwave peanut brittle http colon slash slash alrecipes com slash recipe slash microwave peanut brittle two slash recipe by Joyce. This is a wonderful recipe but you should only make it once a year because you can't stop eating it. Page two. Makes 1.5 pounds. Ingredients. One cup white sugar, one half cup like corn syrup. Notice that PDF to speech pro starts reading the document right away. Sometimes when you're listening to the file, you don't hear the names of the playback controls. But if you touch the approximate area of the screen or swipe the number of times and then tap, things should work correctly. Play previous page button. Page 1. Microwave peanut brittle http colon slash slash alrecipes com slash recipe slash microwave peanut brittle 2 slash recipe by Play next page button. Page 2. Makes 1.5 pounds. Play button. Notice that as I explore the screen to find my buttons, playback stops. Let's check the area above the playback controls to find out where we are in our file. Current sentence, ingredients, one cup white sugar, one half cup light corn syrup. File, microwave peanut brittle dot doc. Page, two. Sentence, three. The file's global progress is 50%. So we're halfway through the file. And then we're at the playback controls. Play previous page button. Very good. Now remember when we went into more options, there was information about gestures. These can be tricky because TalkBack requires you to use an extra finger to draw your gesture. There are gestures for going to the next and previous page, next and previous sentence, and to stop and resume playback. To move to the next or previous sentence, swipe horizontally to the right or left with two fingers. To move to the next or previous page, draw an up-pointing or down-pointing triangle without the horizontal. So, for an up-pointing arrow, draw a diagonal that goes up to the right and then down to the right. For a down arrow, draw a diagonal that goes down to the right and then up to the right. The play-pause gesture is an arrow that points to the right, a diagonal that goes down to the right and then down to the left. Another thing that makes these gestures tricky is that they need to be drawn in the part of the screen where the text is. Once you get the hang of them, they can be useful but for a better experience, you probably want to use the on-screen controls. PDF to Speech, a very handy document viewer which reads a number of formats, including web pages. Check it out. And we're back, and to discuss this time, there's been a lot of talk about 
some uh, new articles uh, from Chris Hofstadter. Uh, this is definitely not the first time in history where there's been talk about uh, articles from Chris Hofstadter. But these always get passed around, and he does at least do a lot of research and put a lot of thought into the articles that he, he presents, whether or not you're going to agree with the, the topics. Um, so he has a couple and then, of course, a guest post as well, um, dealing with Android accessibility and programming, all sorts of different things. And some see it as Android bashing. I don't, but I do see a bit of a, nah, I'm not sure if conundrum is the right word, but people make this assumption that because everything out of the box isn't working like 100%, that means that Android is not a viable operating system for anyone. And I don't, that's the connection that I fail to agree with. Yes, not everything is accessible, but are you, do you want an accessible operating system? Do you want a usable operating system that you're quite happy with? I do agree with a lot of his ideas in general, but I don't really agree with the specifics of what he says. For example, he says that the keyboard correction feature, uh, text prediction is not accessible and I find it to be very accessible. It works for me. And um, I think it's one of those things that isn't obvious. So once you, 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 it takes a while to discover it. But once you discover it, it's, it is accessible. And um, he also says that the keyboard isn't accessible when you're in a password field. I think that's because Android and iOS have a different approach to things. And um, what Android does is it is accessible if you plug in uh, a speaker or a headset or something like that. So, I mean, a lot of his little uh, comments, he says that all apps have accessibility problems like unlabeled buttons and tab order and I, and that you can't use the standard um, apps that come with the phone. You need to use third-party apps. And, and I disagree with most of that. I, I use most of the apps I use on a daily basis are the ones that come with the phone, including the home screen and other examples that he gives. I think there's the odd unlabeled button here and there, but most things are labeled and it's, it's easy to figure out what that one unlabeled button is. And I, I guess because I'm so used to working with these apps, I, I don't notice it. So I'm not sure. I mean, I think that uh, he complains about documentation, and I think there is um, not very much documentation for Google accessibility, but Google in general is a low-documentation kind of company. Um, if you read their um, manuals, they, they kind of just give you getting started type of information, and, and that's the same for accessibility. They'll tell you what the gestures are, and they'll give you a, you know, a kind of a getting started with talkback, and I don't know. It, it it seems enough to get going with. So I'm not really sure what he wants. Well, I'm, I must I must say, Anna, playing devil devil's advocate for a minute. Of course, yeah. Y- you are using standard Google stock phones. So if you were using the Samsung Galaxy S3 or something like that, you'd have right. to put up with TouchWiz and you wouldn't right. like that too much, and you wouldn't like the right. Samsung keyboard too much either, so you would change it for the Google keyboard. But having said all that, I think that is the beauty of Google, the fact that you can, in fact, customize it. The out-of-the-box experience should be maybe a little bit more accessible from some vendors, but those, you know, if you're using stock Google, then I think you're okay. But if you're using HTC in particular, for example, 
they have a lot of accessibility issues. And that, I think, is a problem for Android because of skinning, forking, and I did say forking, <laughs> <laughs> that, that it is less accessible. But we have to remember also that there's only one iPhone. Now, there might be different versions of that iPhone, but there is only one iPhone. Right. Now, he, you know, Android has so many styles, uh, types, manufacturers, and so on. And, of course, my answer to Chris's article can be caps- encapsulated in three words, and that is Windows Phone 8. <laughs> um, Windows Phone 8 has no accessibility whatsoever for the blind. It does for the low vision, but not for the blind. There's no screen reader. Now, you could say, okay, Code Factory have written a suite of apps, but that is just a suite of apps. You can't do anything else with it with Windows Phone 8. So I don't, I don't think... While I agree with most of what Chris says, I don't think Android is the worst offender uh, by any means. I think Microsoft have a lot to answer for. Windows Phone 8 isn't accessible. You can't go out and get a Nokia Asher, you know, a Nokia Lumia 1020 or whatever and just use it out of the box either. So I don't really know what the deal is. <laughs> well, and some of his principles for ex- are are things that I'm not sure... Well, he's got a lot of vehemence here. There's a lot of energy that seems to be, go above and beyond what's called for. Some of the things he talks about as more general principles are that Android doesn't do things by these existing standards. And tab order is a big one for him. He, he believes that we should be able to swipe over the screen and follow the tab order because this is the way things have been done from the beginning of time with screen readers. And he says that this is something that people will tend to do because they they tend to do what they're familiar with. So if they get a new device, they're going to start looking for the tab order. And I think that's a good principle. And I think it's something that Google should try to do because it helps not only us and people who like to swipe, but also with it, it helps keyboard users and it helps people who use other accessibility devices like um, switches and so on. But the thing that, that I'm not really on board with is this idea that people will innately go for the swipe order. I know when I first started using Android, it was my first experience with it. Actually, hmm, I, th- I, th- I learned Android and iOS around the same time. Um, so I was new to the whole concept of, of a touchscreen device, and, and it didn't seem natural to me to expect a tab swipe order sort of thing, because it, it, it didn't have a keyboard, so it was completely new to me, and I, I, I was open to doing something very different with it. So what I did was I explored it as I explore physical objects in space. I, you know, when I have stuff on my desk and I don't remember where I left my coffee cup, I, I search for it by, you know, sweeping my hand in a circle or sweeping left to right. And so on the screen, what I did was I, I pretended I was reading Braille. I started at the upper left-hand corner, swept across, and, and started again at the left hand. So the swipe order wasn't necessarily a natural human factor thing for me because it was such a new environment. And I personally find exploring more productive than flicking. But I think that his point about something being inherent or innately intuitive or blah, 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 doesn't necessarily apply to something that's so different. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I, I tend to agree with you, but having said all that, uh, swipe can be useful um, oh, yeah. if, you're, if you're scrolling the screen. In other words, um, mm. if you're continuously going down a list, I find swipe is useful. Say if you're reading tweets or if you're reading Facebook. Right, right, right. Or I something mean, it, like it, that. it's and, fine. It has its uses. But, yeah, I don't innately swipe either. I tend to explore and use what, what I call muscle memory. That's to say... I remember where things are on the screen, just like I remember where things are on my desk. But what the, the point I was going to make, Anna, is the amount of blind iOS users that I see who flick uh, and swipe and never touch the screen in the explore by touch fashion. I mean, I've had discussions with Chris about this, Chris Hofstadter as well, and I have a, a, a deal of respect, you know, of, in how he thinks out his writing and things like that. But I think there is an iOS bias there. And I think not only Chris, but I think that people want Android to work like iOS. And it doesn't because it's a different operating system. You know, it'd be like saying, I want Windows to work like Linux. It just doesn't happen. Right. And, and others of his comments um, betray that bias. For example, he says that the um, continuous, or say, continuous read or say all command on Android is really clunky because you have to do the right angle gesture and then the circle. And in practice, that doesn't seem like a big deal. And an alternative to that is to shake the phone, which he calls inelegant, but that seems to me a lot faster and easier to do than, you know, to get the phone out and tap it with whatever many fingers and blah, blah, blah. So, um, I mean, I think it's, it's, there is that bias of he's there's a, a system he he's really comfortable with and departures from that seem odd to him. I having said all this, I, I'm I'm no expert in programming, so I don't know much about what he says about the API. You know, and I think as far as programming, some of the points are valid, and um, Marco Z has a good take on this as well that we'll we'll link to because of course he's done a lot with the uh, Aton uh, working on Firefox for Android, which Accessibility-wise, is probably you know the Rolls Royce of Android apps. Except you know it has great Braille support, which isn't really built into the OS. It has great keyboard support, and you know it even does some of the the gesture-based things pre uh, Jelly Bean. And the biggest thing that he was talking about and commented on is that it's a lot of this is possible. But it's just not. It's not even that it's well documented. Uh, it's not documented at all. And they had to dig into the talkback source code and the Brailleback source code just to figure out, you know, how does Google handle certain events or what does it do when we put this code in? And that's that shouldn't have to be the case. And you, you wonder why more developers aren't doing, you know, accessibility. It's you know, if it's, if it's not all laid out, sure you have basic things laid out, like okay, this is how you add a button and this is how you put a label on it. But a lot of more advanced things like creating a fully accessible web view are perhaps possible, but not as easy as they should be. And Chris does make that point, too. Right. And, and it's valid. You know, yeah. Well, look at look at all the any word processing app. And when you try to, you know, has the same problems, it's not the fault of the app. If you try if you try to navigate by line or by word or by paragraph, you can't really do that well with TalkBack or, or with Braille. Because the, the code does not have the accessibility built in. That when you put that native text box into your app, and that's the Google text box, you know, the, the, the standard control that should work. If you add any standard control into a Windows app, you know, the ones that you know have been around for years and years, they work with every screen reader because it's a standard, and you know, it's been that way. 
you know, forever. And that that whole deal, yeah, right. There needs to be more documentation, and there certainly is some areas that just need to work better. And the text boxes is probably the biggest at this point uh, that comes to mind. I mean, I don't know. That being, it's been really quiet. This is the quietest I've seen all the talkback people be in a while. Um, we had a yeah. three mm-hmm. five update, which really was pretty minor, and the little uh, version blip after that. And that's about it. Yeah, we were talking about that off air, weren't we, just before we came on? Yeah. How quiet the developers have been um, yeah. since We've been quiet really. for a month or so before, but you know, this has been a, almost a three month low. I'm not sure if it's you know what's going on. Maybe they're trying to fix some bigger underlying issues because that it's always been my issue that you need to have. If you're going to do accessibility right, you need to have the entire company on board. It needs to be a part of the app development process for every app. So if they're going back and fixing some of that, I don't know. If we're just going to get another piecemeal little update, you know, this is this next version. See, I don't know. It, you know, it's tough for me. I'm not going to switch to iOS. And that's and some of the commenters are the same way. Like, hey, well, I'm not going to. Android may not be my favorite implementation of an operating system at the same time i don't want the closed nature you well, know i must say and i i'm, I'm going to be even controversial even on this show um <laughs> it's nice to have both around mm-hmm. if you can afford it and you can have an iphone and an android phone around you, you've got a pretty good deal i think well but I, I think the bigger point is that you know chris hofstetter and other people in the accessibility business really poo-poo Android, and they poo-poo it, I think, secretly, I think it's because it's different from what they're used to. But I think that the, the bigger point is that Android is very usable on a day-to-day basis. It's It does do things differently. I don't think that Google is as random in the way it does things as, as commenters say. For example, um, Chris uh, Hofstetter mentions that the gestures seem very out of the box. And and I think the cool thing about um, some of the gestures is that they're closer to the mainstream gesture. So once you understand the differences, a sighted person can help you or you can help a sighted person learn something. So, I, I mean, I think Android is very usable. It may not conform to objective standards, which he goes on and on and on about. But it's it's extremely usable, and it's some um, an option that we have. I've and always said, though, Anna. I mean, I don't know how well you know iOS, and I don't know how well JJ you know iOS. But have you tried scrolling in iOS? <laughs> it's real fun. You can only go by about twenty five, you know, lines yeah. or rows. Yeah, uh, you you can't scroll quick at all. You you know, no. I don't care what anyone says. You really can't do it uh, with TalkBack on uh, with VoiceOver on. And and this this to me is an accessibility issue, because you can't scroll in the way that a sighted person can scroll. You can scroll like, and it will go row one uh, of of like fifteen thousand, row fifteen of fifteen thousand. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. You, you can't go five hundred in a few seconds. Now, right. your, your quick flick up with two fingers with talkback will move you very fast. Oh yeah. Um, and I think scrolling is very inefficient in uh, iOS and. Uh, Probably our editor, Patrick, will shoot me for saying that because he loves iOS. I know that. But uh, <laughs> scrolling is so damned inefficient. Yeah, well, but again, the point is that Android is, is usable and it's not perfect, but it's usable. And, and I don't really mind it. At work, I use lots of different websites that I'm supposed to use for this or that. 
they're supposedly accessible because, you know, they're like associated with public teaching institutions and blah, blah, blah. But they don't work very well and there's no documentation and I had to figure it out through trial and error and blah, blah, blah. All of the stuff that he's complaining about that happens on Android happens when you're out and about in the real world doing stuff. And so yep. it doesn't seem as an issue for me because I, I rarely have that perfect accessibility experience that he claims happens on iOS. And I do use iOS. I would say I'm an intermediate iOS user. I use it mostly for like translations and stuff. It doesn't seem all that perfect to me. So I, I don't know. No, I mean, we were discussing it today, uh, Angie and I, and again, you know, you, you can go to a link from Twitter and it will just throw you out of the app. You know, um, iOS seven is, is in fact, pretty much broken um <laughs> let's hope 7.1 improves it but you know that's not really the point what what i'm saying is that they both have accessibility issues but they're different issues and i think that, that the people that are wearing the ios slippers are coming at android the wrong way you know they've they've had ios for years they they get android even for two or three months and say oh it doesn't work because i couldn't do what i you know i can do on ios with it well, and it gets harder if you keep switching back and forth between your devices. Right. If you come in things, you know, I bought a Mac Mini, uh, which is sitting over here, and you know, and it, and it does a lot of things reasonably well. But when I was first trying to set it up, and I had the same issues when I tried to set up my iPod Touch 4, there were a lot of roadblocks. And my initial reaction, and part of it still remains, like, wow, what is up? You know, I had to enter my Apple ID like eight different times just to get things going. The computer had all sorts of issues downloading Mavericks uh, because I uh, my Apple ID didn't have a license for it because I bought the computer used. Like, oh, Mavericks is free? No, Mavericks isn't free because you didn't have the, you had to enable some sort of, you know, just goof, goofy things that should have worked that didn't. And I think a lot of it just goes back to, hey, I expect things to work a certain way because the other operating systems, namely Windows on the computer or Android on the phone, worked in this specific way. And when I get a different computer or a different phone or tablet, I expect things to work that way. And when something is now more difficult, oh, it's suddenly not. And this isn't good. It's you know? not my fault. It's the computer's fault. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You know, and yeah. so that's just a different, you know, yeah, there's a reason Apple has you put in your Apple ID a million times. I might not necessarily agree with it. But they've chosen to do that for security and whatever, you know, and, and everything else. I'm not, again, I'm not bashing Apple or anything like that. Don't get me wrong. What I'm saying is that there are problems with all operating systems. And if you come to something new like that and you don't get what you want in two or three months, you either, you know, throw the, the bathwater out with the baby out with the bathwater or you, you stick with it, you know. I think the biggest problem for Android is lack of awareness and documentation, you know. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. definitely. You know, and the people that are using it, are a, a lot of technically oriented people who also have other jobs and don't have time to write documentation. <laughs> what about what about this business yes. of they they tried to um, port QRead over and they wanted to use web controls in the text uh, controls, right? Well, yeah. yeah. I mean that's it's the same idea. The, the text control is the one I think that they were referring to, and and that's the one that I was who had the same issues like I was talking earlier with uh, word processing apps. Right. And, I have to admit, though, there are still some web views that are not accessible in Android, and it really yeah, that seems to be. I, I'm not sure why because they're that not is. using. They're probably using a custom web view as mm -hmm. opposed yeah, to the yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, if what's well, always going to be an issue though, even a really accessible app like Aquamail, if you turn on web scripts now, it's not accessible in KitKat, mm. and the, the author can't quite figure out why because he's using Chrome, um, mm. and it's not too custom, so. This is the problem with Android. I think, it, as you said, the lack of documentation 
Right, so he can't really investigate without doing a whole lot of extra work. Well, we could carry this on for about five more hours. <laughs> yeah, I, I think we're, we're basically agreeing with the article to a point, aren't we? Isn't, wouldn't you to say? A point, yeah. yeah. Uh, I agree with the specific issues. I don't agree with the sentiment that makes the operating system not a not viable exactly. choice. No, I don't. That's where I stop to agree. I'm not going to flip out like a couple of the commenters and think it's an idiotic post. No, I, it's one of the more thought out ones that's been done. Actually, one area where I think Android does need um, improvement is another blog post that he um, published. Somebody else wrote it, and it's about Android for the deafblind. And yeah. this article basically says, and, and I, do, I would agree with this, that Braille support is not quite ready for a deafblind user yet. Um, this person tested on a Nexus 7 2013, running 4.4 with the latest software, and um, he's using all the stock apps except for Firefox. And basically, he, he said um, what we all know, that web views don't do Braille very well. And a lot of apps use web views. For example, in most email readers, you know, the subject line, the to, the from, blah, 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 all of that's... Um, readable, but when you get into the body of the message, you, you know, that's a web view and a speech works, but Braille Aquamail. doesn't generally work. Aquamail. <laughs> <laughs> works well in Braille. I, I hear a yeah. secret voice. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Aquamail. You know, he says play books wasn't accessible. I just read a post on, on one of the um, Android lists that you can use Braille with playbooks, but it's buggy. I have not tested it, so I don't know for a fact. But th the point is, a lot of places, there are important places where we don't have Braille support yet. And so, uh, I, for a deafblind user, Android's not quite there. I also think it's fair to point out, Anna, that you can't input in grade two either. Correct. Yeah, and that, that can be trying over a period of time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. you know, a lot of good Brailleists and uh, deafblind people won't like that because you can't input in grade two. And I certainly agree with that. You know, so Braille does need more work, yes. Yeah, so Braille needs more work, and, and we're, we're on board with that. But, uh, I, but uh, you know, Android's, Android is, is um, viable for people who are low vision and totally blind. It's definitely um, an option. I'm totally blind and I use it every day, all day. Yeah, the three of, the three of us, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> if it wasn't accessible, I wouldn't be using it. <laughs> I think it's a different thing as well, um, and this is a, a final point that I'll make on, on this business of accessibility and usability and stuff like that. It's the same for sighted people. I think Android, if you want more of an adventure, go Android, but if you want everything or most things to just work, get an iPhone, I think that's a good premise to work on really i mean you know if you don't want to make any customizations if you don't want to do anything get an iphone but i, I also want to stress that it you don't have to customize android like i said I, i've done very little customization and depends on the phone as i said yeah yeah definitely pure android if you have a pure android phone you really don't need to customize but if you have a skinned phone then um you might have Although to every single Android phone gets Nova Launcher on it, I do not like the KitKat launcher. <laughs> you know they 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 fixed the the bug. I'm able to to remove icons now. It works a lot better now. So I, I'm I'm happy with my. Um, well, I can I can remove icons just by long pressing and then selecting remove. Mm -hmm. Nice and easy. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I'll stick to uh, Nova. <laughs> How do you remove icons on stock now? 
That actually you, you still just, have to drag it, don't you? Yeah, you you drag it. You know when you when you long press when you do the tap and hold thing, it makes the sound. And the key is that you need to drag your finger after the sound and before talkback says, you know, you have long pressed or whatever it says. So if you drag it at that point, it it does disappear. But what you can't do, Anna, that we can do with Nova is that you can long press an app on your home screen, and one of the options is uninstall. Yeah, that's a nice feature. Right. I, really I, nice. I wish that's a very background. nice feature. Yeah. Of course. Mm. Yep. Well, a lot to digest there, for sure. If you have, send us an iReporter. Let us know what you think, and uh, we may include it in our, uh, our next show next month. Okay, forest animals. Kids are coming to the forest, and it's up to us to make their visit a good one. Sparrow. Have you practiced the most popular bird songs for the year? Of course. Catchy. I like it. River, how's the temperature? It's a refreshing 52 degrees, man. I love it. Uh, Turtle. He's not here yet, man. He's late every morning. Okay. Squirrel. The forest has been preparing just for you. To learn more about cool things to do in the forest, visit discovertheforest.org. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service and the Ad Council. Once again, for the That Android Show mailbag, we have a few uh, emails and a few eye reports. Uh, start with a couple uh, emails. One from Kelsey, and this is interesting to me because there's lots of people who come over, try Android, complain about Android, and switch back to iOS. And Kelsey's saying, Look, I did this entire dance as well, and it just, you know, they came in with the right mindset. She has a, uh, a Nexus uh, tablet, and um, you know, really uh, did a lot to uh, to figure out accessibility. To, did a little bit of exploring, and is now liking it more than iOS. Um, and she's it took her about a-, a month to do, which is about how long it really mm-hmm. takes. I should say that she is a he actually, oh, well. Kelsey, um, because he follows me on Twitter. That's the only reason I know. Oh, sorry so about that, Kelsey. <laughs> don't upset him too much. <laughs> well, whatever. okay. That's why. I was, that's why. That's why I switched to they. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Um. So the, he actually his list of free apps that he already has is pretty. Uh, if you ask the question, what apps should I get for my new phone? He uh, he lists a lot of them already. Yeah, he's 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 got a good collection there. He's looking for Twitter, and of course, you're going to say tweetings, and I'm going to say tweetings. Of course, I, I I think tweetings is the most customizable. Then let me say that. I like tweetery. I don't. Rem- I don't remember how it's spelled. It's something like T W. Oh, Twitter. Um, isn't it? And which is actually what tweetings is based on. Right. Right. Only it's better. Well, well, well. Well, that's a new one. One place that he can go to find apps. My sadly neglected Android blog has a section on apps. So if you start at the bottom and of the page and then use heading navigation to jump up. Um, you'll get to a cool apps section, and there is a list of sort of getting started kind of apps. There's a little GPS, a little this, a little that. So he might want to check there for some app ideas. Yep. What is the one he, he mentions? Hatchy? Hatchy, what is that? I don't know. I, I had that same question for you gentlemen, so neither of you know. <laughs> no, I really don't know. Um, now, now, Kelsey, Kelsey we, need, yeah. we need you to write us back. Tell yeah. us about Hatchy. Yeah. Tell us what Hatchy well, is. And welcome aboard, I, Kelsey. Nice to see you on board here. <laughs> yes, hope to hear from you again, sir. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the monthly Mike Arrigo email. And, uh, yeah, he's agreeing with me, isn't he? Yeah, Which he makes him all well, the more You like that, don't you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Somebody agrees with me. 
nice. They're just saying your, your comments about developers and um, needing to pay more attention to the Android growing user yeah. base. Yeah, labeling buttons. And yeah, which is a good point, definitely. Especially the low vision users. Well, I, mean, I, I don't think the fact that you can label buttons with talkback should be an excuse. You know, no. I, I think the buttons should still be labeled. Oh, definitely, definitely. Yeah. And Robin, he's got um, some app recommendations. Wait, are you sure that's a he? Oops. Sorry. I'm not sure about this one. I'm not one. sure. Yeah, <laughs> okay. So we'll, I'll stop. All right. Okay, well, what, what did they say? <laughs> All right, we have an email from Robin, who absolutely loves two magnifiers. It's actually the free and the paid version of Cozy Magnifier and Microscope. There's the free version and the plus version. The plus costs 99 cents. Robin says that with this app, you can see print up close or signs from far away. So our low vision users should be very happy to hear about those apps. Any comments, Joe? Where's, where's Joe? Any comments there? Oh, yeah. Magnify <laughs> He's comments. our low vision man. You know, apparently he's, <laughs> he's, uh, he's, he's somewhere else, <laughs> he's I think. testing the well, app um, as we speak. We'll, we'll, we'll check out with, uh, with Joe later and see what he thinks of him or hers uh, recommendation. And the and then we have both an email and an eye report from Christine. I'm thinking it's the same person. First of all, Christine wants to know what we think of Samsung, the regular sized phones and the minis. Have, have you, either of you worked with a mini? I, I have no idea how small they are. First yeah. of all, I want to comment on and this is this is not to pick on you, Christine, because a lot of people do this. She says, I'm looking at getting the Samsung phone. There are lots yes. of phones from lots of companies. You really can't base a uh, your opinion on a company on one phone because a lot they have a lot of different, you know, everything from the flagship uh, S4, now soon to be the S5, down to, to other things. But anyway. To answer your question, Anna, the S4 mini is about the size of the iPhone 5. Yeah, so size-wise, there isn't a big difference, yes? Not a lot, no. It's yeah. quite small. Yeah. So it comes down to Samsung's accessibility or, you know, built-in. Right. Yeah, now Samsung is one of the better manufacturers for accessibility. Most of their stuff is reasonably accessible. I don't like their keyboard because the keyboard, if you long press a key, and a lot of blind people do that, you know, because they're quite hesitant as they're moving around, when, especially when they're beginning to learn. As you long press a key, you get accented letters and all kinds of stuff. Mm. Um, so, <laughs> Which is something that, you know, accented letters don't happen in the other android devices which you know if you have a language that uses them you wish you had mm. so it's you can download a keyboard though so that's you can download the google keyboard and, problem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah yeah i agree you need accents and i'm just yeah, wondering if there's an easier way well, you, you do, do it. it yeah yes well you want to spell cafe don't you gentlemen okay <laughs> <laughs> and we have this i report from christine hello I listen to your um, information on my uh, mobile device here. I have the Nexus 5. I like this phone. It grows on you. <laughs> um, Christina Heath is my name. I'm in Spokane, Washington, and I just have one question, which is if somebody could help me by telling me what I can use for a keyboard for an Android phone because this keyboard is an automatic. Uh, when I touch the letters they're put in, I have to delete them out. Um, if you can please tell me if there's a way around that or what I can do maybe to make it easier. Now, what she's saying is that she doesn't like the keyboard um, that is the standard the standard Android keyboard. You touch the letter, lift your finger, and, and the letter gets typed. 
And so apparently she would prefer to touch the letter and double tap. That's funny. What what we, those of you that have had iOS devices, what's one of the first settings you change? Exactly. <laughs> change the keyboard from double tapping to sliding your finger around and lifting it up. But I have come across people who prefer the double tap method, even though they've used it for a long time. The only thing I could recommend, well, there are two things that come to mind. One is you can use Equalize, which has that type of um, keyboard. Um, but I think that's only while you're in their suite, not when you're using other apps. The, the other thing is you can use Flexi. Now, to use Flexi the way Flexi is supposed to work, you need to turn off TalkBack to get the prediction going, blah, blah, blah. But if you leave TalkBack back on, uh, turned on, you can just slide your finger over the keyboard. It'll tell you the letter, and then you would triple tap. Triple tap. Yeah. <laughs> now, if you have your bo- if you have your device set to single wow. tap mode, then you only double tap. Double tap. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's the only thing I can think of. So it's like a tap pass through. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The, the only problem I can see with that is that the people that like double tapping won't like single tapping on icons and things. Does like that, that work anywhere? <laughs> If you triple tap anywhere on the screen in any app, will that will it pass that tap through to the app? Once in a long while it does, but No, no, no. Because if you turn on magnification gestures, oh, triple that's tapping right. actually turns on magnification. Yeah, that's what if true. you don't have that well, what if you don't have magnification gestures? I don't know. Is there a tap pass through? There's a swipe pass through. No, I see I don't think it's an actual pass through. I think what's happening on Flexi is that the first tap is like you're touching it and the second tap is like you're hmm. Um, yeah, they, they somehow they bake something in there. Mm-hmm. Every once in, you know, actually, when you're using an app and um, if double tapping doesn't work for whatever reason, every once in a while, either triple tapping or quadruple tapping does. So quadruple. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, like if you you know how when you let's say you wanna you 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 tap on a link, and so the Android system screen comes up and asks you whether you want to use Firefox or Chrome or whatever. Yeah. yeah. So if you, sure. just, if you want to use, say, Chrome just once, you can quadruple tap on it, and you don't have to click. What? Yeah, you don't have to hit just, just once or the anything. The once button. In fact, now in KitKat, you can just double tap it because it will accept the last thing yeah, you did. Yeah, 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 yeah. But like yeah, in pre-KitKat, you would it, just it, double tap it twice. Yeah. 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 Except, uh, I Tap mean, yeah. Three times on, <laughs> the, <laughs> on the icon yeah. if you want me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. And we so. we have this other I report from Danny. Hi, this is um, a comment for the Android show. And um, this is for the users that listen to it. And this spawned from the ice trail is my comment. People are comparing the accessibility currently between iOS and Android, specifically TalkBack and VoiceOver. And I just want to say each of them have their downfalls, but arguing and complaining the eyes free list, I honestly can say gets you nowhere. I just want to say that if you have an issue with TalkBack, there's a bug tracker. I apologize. I don't have the link currently with me it's actually at the bottom of a eyes free um, email and you can google the eyes free bug tracker um, if you want to see change please again go file a bug tracker i'm not saying go blow the the bug tracker up for meaningless squabbles or 
whatever you have against the Android platform. But what I'm saying is go file meaningful bug trackers. And and I think that's honestly what I would like to see people do. I mean, I'm just one out of a million and I use Android and I just have an iPhone 5S. And then I can tell you, even as I saw, there's some issues with uh, I, voiceover, but I, this is nor the time nor the place. I just want to say that just go file a tracker and post your link on the mailing list so we all can see your bug tracker and maybe we can add comments the more people the comments are added and starred the louder your voice is heard and that's all i want to say y'all have a great day and my, again my name is dan Mathis. okay so he says that we need to use the bug tracker to report problems instead of just venting on lists about you know android versus iphone and i tried using that bug tracker i mean yeah that's valid you're right if they responded, I mean, you're, I mean, if there's specific cases, and I have filed a couple bugs there, I mean, usually you, know, you really kind of get blown I've off. Gotten, I've gotten responses twice to a bug. Yeah, and, and I have too. I mean, I, I have to say, I, I've, I've posted a bug. There was uh, uh, some talkback bug about six or seven months ago. I can't remember what it was. And a couple of developers actually posted agreeing with me and, and various things and pointing Google to reference documents and things like this. And, and he actually got quite involved. You're right. We don't use it enough. Yeah. He's we, right about We don't that. use it enough. He, yeah. Wait, is Danny a he or she? Danny Mathis is... is oh, dying. stop it. Right. You're getting too <laughs> inclusive now. I don't know. <laughs> but he's got an excellent point. And, and I agree because we have all this venting and excess energy going on in places where developers aren't going to read it because it's just too much noise. And so if you really want to be productive, using the bug tracker is not difficult. So you could post your bugs or agree with other people's bugs. Yeah. And, yeah. and you do get an email if anyone adds comments to the bug. Yeah. That you add. That's true. Yeah. You, know, you, you, you know, you do know if people comment on it. So send us your eye reports. Um, there's about 18 ways you can do that. I'll name a few. You can go to thatandroidshow.com and you can uh, send us a message that way. We're that Android Show on Twitter. You can use iBlink Radio. You can do an eye report that way as well. And also resources at serotalk, S-E-R-O-T-A-L-K dot com. And your email or phone call or whatever may be played on the air. So, uh enjoy well that's gonna do it episode 25 the uh the silver episode of of that Andrew show why well, yes there you go um we have some uh did we, we get some silver gifts uh, uh from uh from uh, spn uh I, I think i have a, a silver uh samsung watch coming uh to me thank you joe sending that over um i'm expecting my oh, okay yeah <laughs> but um, we'll, we'll have another uh, great episode for you uh, next time around um, see the recap from Mobile World Congress and maybe we'll hear some things to see some who knows you uh, have to stay tuned to uh, see what exciting things come up next time on that Android show I'm over at atguys.com and we have a lot of uh, really cool accessories for your Android go check them out everything from uh, keyboards and batteries and lots of other things as well so that's over at atguys.com and of course, Blind Bargains as well. Uh, with a lot of CSUN coverage coming up next month. BlindBargains.com. And I'm at Accessible Android. That's HTTP colon slash slash AccessibleAndroid.wordpress.com. And I'm at www.comproom.co.uk. That's C O M P R O O M.co.uk. Where, again, in the UK, you can get all kinds of uh, Bluetooth keyboards and batteries and 
all kinds of things for Android phones. That's going to do it for this time. Thank you so much uh, to uh, Producer Joe and uh, Patrick Purdue behind the proverbial technical internet boards uh, producing our show this week. And uh, we'll talk to you next time. See you later. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.